Welcome to episode 79 of VB Engage. My name is Stuart Rogers. I'm with VentureBeat and I'm joined as ever by the author of Digital Sense, the co-founder of CCP Digital. It is Mr. Travis Wright. Travis, how you doing? And the crowd goes mild. They always do. <laughs> they always go incredibly mild. Um, <laughs> Very nice. How you doing, man? You know what? I'm doing great. Uh, there's some. Uh, there's some really great, interesting stuff going on in the world of AR and VR this week. Lots of VR and AR stuff this week. Um, and you know, it's been a while since we talked about that, so uh, we should definitely uh, get into that. And you must be in, in Kansas City still, I would imagine. Is that right? You know what? The holidays are vastly approaching. And I don't go too far away from home during the Christmas time. So I am sitting right here in Kansas City. I don't think my next trip is uh, until... Actually, uh, CES, I believe, is my next trip. That'll be really cool and interesting for you. Um, CES is, is pretty outstanding. Also, completely overwhelming. And I don't actually... I might go. We'll have to mm. see. Uh, if I do go, then maybe we can we can have some fun and we can actually do an in-person episode over there. Yeah, well, actually, what's cool this year about CES is they're featuring my book, Digital Sense. Uh, Gary picked it out for his book club. My co-author and I, Chris Snook, we will be in Vegas, and we will be on the big stage at CES talking with uh, Gary about Digital Sense and, and t- t- teaching all about customer experience, marketing technology, social business, and some of these emerging technologies that are coming. So pretty excited about it for sure. So maybe you can come and hang out. That would be good times. That would be fantastic. And just for our uh, listeners, you know, play, maybe you could say uh, Gary's surname, just so everybody knows which Gary you're talking about. Otherwise, there's quite a lot of them out there. Well, of course, it's Gary Shapiro, who is the founder of the Consumer Electronics Show. It's been going on for 51 years. They've been doing this for a long time. It's a big honor to be able to go there and chat with Gary and uh, be part of his book club and and speak to the fine folks there at CES. So that should be good times. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Not Gary Shandling or or even Gary Vaynerchuk, who is uh, episode number one of BB Mm -hmm. Engage. And and if you are one of our longstanding listeners and you haven't gone all the way back to the start, Now's a good time to do that because coming up to the holidays, you can start at episode one and catch up on the whole thing. It, it'll be interesting to do that as like kind of like a time machine exercise. Mm-hmm. Go back in time and listen to the news and hear our amazing guests over the yeah. weeks. Or just uh, skip the news by. and go into the interviews, right? Because we, we interviewed some really amazing people these past year and a half, almost two years, going on two years. I know. And I'm still um, out here on the beautiful island of Kauai. I'm having a uh, a vacation in lovely Hawaii here. Talking of vacations, Travis, I noticed that a company called Alchemy, now they they spell that O-W-L-C-H-E-M-Y, Alchemy. I think already they're winning at life because they're called Alchemy. They have unveiled something called the Vacation Simulator as their next VR title. Now, long-standing listeners will now know that I am setting myself up for a fall. I'm basically allowing Travis to talk about his favorite word that he made up. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Alchemy Labs has unveiled their Vacation Simulator, which is essentially... A vacation. I coined this like a year and a half ago. Maybe they heard our show, Mr. Stuart Rogers, and they said, oh my God, vacation. That's genius. Uh, we better call it Vacation Simulator because we don't want to upset Stuart Rogers. It does literally upset me every time I hear the word vacation. Um, <laughs> but yet you like alchemy. But alchemy is so cute. It's like owls. Yeah. I vacation mean, is so functional. Like? The only thing that's better than owls is cats. And then... 
there's that thing that I saw on Imager like years ago where they actually photoshopped owls and cats together to make owl cats, which are the best invention in the whole wide world. And I wish I existed for real. Well, to, second yeah, best behind vacations. Don't say it again. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I brought this piece of news up. I really don't. Dude, I'm just cheating myself. You did it. You did it. You're laughing. You're going, oh, no. Travis is going to go ham on this one. The really cool thing is that these guys, I, I know that they actually produced the VR job simulator. And job simulator was a big hit. I'm sure vacation simulator is going to be a massive hit for VR as well. But talking of VR in a much more constructive sense, and not just to allow you to use your favorite compound noun, of course, we've been talking about marketing. And there's a really, really good guest article on VentureBeat by uh, Emil Eshmael uh, Bozogzazi. It's about the marketing conundrum. It's about the fact that most VR content is built on game engines like Unity, which of course is true. I mean, if you look at Unity and Unreal and you know all of those different engines, they're, they're really designed perfectly for creating VR worlds, right? But the thing is, is, it doesn't make it necessarily that easy in terms of marketing the actual content that you produce and also what happens inside the content in terms of marketing as well what's really cool about this article is it goes into the the novelty problem which i think is is very interesting and it's something that i've been talking about a lot recently and i did it in my uh, my keynote at uh, digital freedom festival in riga a couple of weeks back talking about the issue that vr is doing fantastically when you look at it from an enterprise standpoint or in health technology or you know top down but it's not doing fantastically bottom-up. Consumers just aren't really getting into it. What, what's your sense on this? Just intuitively, I think it would be hard to market an experience without experiencing it, right? So how would I say, oh my God, you are going to love this roller coaster to someone who has never been on a roller coaster who doesn't know what a roller coaster is, and then I just show them a picture. I'm like, look, isn't it amazing? It's going to be amazing. Like it's, it's a 2D image of a roller coaster. You don't feel the jostling moving on it. And you don't feel, you don't see what all you see about being on a, on a real roller coaster. So it's one of those things where, you know, if you are actually trying to convey an experience in virtual reality without actually putting on the headset and experiencing it, that's why it's hard, I think, for some people to really understand. Now, when I was in LA and took my daughter to the VR thing at IMAX, uh, she hadn't experienced VR before aside from like the cardboard experience. We don't have one at the house. I, I don't think they're quite ready yet. Um, they're probably getting closer, but it's like I have a Mac. I don't have an expensive you know, computer to put it on on a PC. And so I was like, all right, maybe I'll build one someday. But then I'm like, if I'm going to build a badass computer, I'm going to do cryptocurrency mining on it. I don't, I don't care to do VR. <laughs> so I just, I just not picked one up. But she experienced it and she was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. Like we did this Star Wars thing and we were doing you know, lightsaber battles and being able to – you could feel it in your hand. It was amazing, right? Then you experience and you go, okay, I get it. But until you get to that point of getting it, you don't get it. Yeah, exactly right. And and what's really interesting and what I like about this article is something I've changed my mind on actually in the last couple of years, which is how web VR is going to be really important to this process of getting people to experience this. Because it's you know the ability to put a VR experience directly into your browser, which means that it can go directly onto your phone which means that you can have something as simple as cardboard and get into VR. And I think as we basically go forward and and keep coming up with really cool experiences for people to check out and get into, web VR is going to be important because it means they don't have to download an app. They don't have to get anything special. You know, it's just your browser 
and a piece of cardboard or your browser and a Samsung VR or your browser and a Google Daydream View, you know, whatever you've got your hands on at that time, cheap piece of Chinese plastic that you found in a gadget store. It doesn't matter what it is. Or the, the Apple VR. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, they don't have one. Never mind. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's really interesting. I really like that guest article. And, you know, that's something that um, I think everybody should read because I thought it was really well constructed. Talking of... Hold on a second. Uh, I'm, there I'm is... playing Dunkirk now. Oh, let me get back to the podcast. Let me get back to the podcast. <laughs> that's the power of web VR. Even when we're actually recording a podcast, you can go and dive into a VR experience. Uh, probably not... The opportune moment for you to do it, Travis. But, you know, I'm sure our listeners are you know, very grateful to you. Yeah, yeah. they're very, very right. grateful for more web squirrels. We need more squirrels to distract us from things. It's good. There's one more thing we need to talk about in terms of the idea of using VR in a marketing context. And that is this idea that as we get VR headsets that have the ability to track your iris for all sorts of different reasons, maybe for payments and and all these other things. Eye tracking is kind of interesting because we can actually use that to see what you're looking at within a VR space. And therefore, we can use the value of a user's gaze to understand what they're looking at from an advertising standpoint. It's called the gaze at ratio, G-A-R. It's the standardized ad tracking metric for the European VR community. And this is opening up really, really interesting topic because we've got to think about this from a regulation standpoint, privacy. Anytime we're starting to look at where people are looking and doing eye tracking and that kind of stuff, that opens up a whole can of worms, especially with uh, GDPR coming out around the corner. Right, Travis? If that's going to become more and more of a thing, then that could be dangerous. It's almost be like, you looked at this person below the waist for three seconds. <laughs> that was not, you probably, <laughs> that's, you are now getting a fine. I mean, it's interesting to know that uh, all the different metrics that are popping up with some of these things over time. And, you know, I guess that's what we need. We need more rules. I don't fully understand this whole thing here, but basically to me, it seems like they're checking out the gaze out ratio inside these experiences to see what people are looking at more so than other things. And then how are they using, is this, is this somehow tied into advertising? Are they Particularly for advertising, it's a, it's KPI people are, are measuring. And yeah, for example, let's say that there's an object, you directly view that object. So let's say you look at the Pepsi can instead of the Coke can. That tells us something about it. Your intention, it tells us about where your attention is being focused And therefore, you can do all sorts of things with that data from an advertising standpoint. I feel like the guidelines, which are going to be launched early next year, are going to be very, very important. And the EU VR members uh, will be the first to receive those official guidelines on how to embed GAR into their content, into their platforms. They're going to get demo content, they're going to get webinars, they're going to get support in, you know, moving people to the GAR standard. You know, I think it's really, really important that we have these regulations come in because when we're starting to track eye movements within a VR space and and see where people are looking and and what they're looking at for how long and what is direct gaze versus what is just like catching your eye, right? You know, that's really, really important stuff. And we need to be using that data in a a really good way, right? We've got to be very careful about how we use information like that. Just as we have to be careful about every piece of data that we're tracking for personalization in marketing and everything else. We've seen lots of horror stories over the years, and it's 
it's important marketers are very uh, respectful when it comes to using data like this. So it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. We'll see how it goes. You know, if you're looking at this thing for X amount of time, oh, this person really likes that. Are they then able to take that data, store that data based on the iris of who was looking at it, and then show them those similar items later? Like, are they going to use that to sort of determine which content and personalized? Let's say that they know that, well, you know, Stuart Rogers loves drinking Mountain Dew. And Travis likes drinking Pepsi. And so when we're in these experiences on these different things, they'll show us more of the ads that we know that we resonate with more so than other ones. Do you think that we're going to get to a personalized level of VR down the road with like that? I think so. I think uh, we're going to get to the exhibit of VR. Hey, I know you like Pepsi, so I put some Pepsi in your Pepsi. That kind of thing. <laughs> I don't really like Pepsi. <laughs> and, and I don't drink sugary drinks at all. Uh, so really awful examples. That is of, not uh, true because I have seen you drink lots of alcohol. <laughs> I said sugary drinks. I mean, you know. That's true. Although, you know, since I'm in Hawaii, I am occasionally partaking of a Mai Tai. Uh, but that's, you know, I'm on vacation. Happy holidays to you, mate. Listen, we have to talk about our sponsor, our wonderful sponsor. For more than 100 years, Booze Allen has been at the forefront of strategy and technology. With leading data science and machine intelligence experts, game developers and human-centered designers developing innovative solutions to empower its clients to change the world. It's enabling the armed forces to rise to a whole new level of mission readiness through developing experiential, immersive technologies that will help our warfighters train faster, better and at scale. Booz Allen is at the intersection of technology and ingenuity, helping clients unlock the power of new technologies create new roadmaps, and develop better solutions that didn't exist before. Join Booz Allen on its mission to change the world with immersive technologies. Get immersed with Booz Allen at www.boozallen.com forward slash immersive. That's B-O-O-Z-A-L-L-E-N.com forward slash immersive. And on Twitter with at Booz Data Science using the hashtag BeAnywhere, B-E-A Anywhere. So... That's our wonderful sponsor. Thank you to Booz Allen. Yes, thank you. We better get into our fantastic interview. As usual, we get to interview some really incredible people. And uh, once again, we're hitting that very high bar uh, with this fantastic interview with Nirmal Mehta. Shall we get into it, Travis? Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we have with us the chief technologist of Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, he works over there at the Strategic Innovations Group doing all types of digital transformation things. Nirmal Meta, welcome to VB Engage, good sir. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to have a great conversation with you all. Thanks so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. We've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence this year on VB Engage. And as we've gone through the year, we've started to branch out into more and more emerging technologies, something that I know you're uh, particularly passionate about. We've been discussing mm -hmm how blockchain is going to change everything in terms of, even in the marketing world, how that's going to change everything. We've been talking about artificial intelligence. We've been talking about augmented reality, uh, virtual reality. You know, what are some of the most exciting applications of emerging technologies that you've seen that are going to, you know, affect the way that everybody lives, breathes, buys things? What's been exciting for you this year? There's a massive convergence, and you're kind of hitting upon a couple of them right now, but there's a convergence between machine intelligence and immersive technologies that is coming very soon. They basically go hand in hand, and that convergence is going to open up a new world of computing and how we interface with uh, the world, with each other, 
with new experiences, enterprise applications, other realities in the future. And the foundation of that is being built and we're focused, you know, kind of more on the enterprise side and the public sector side, but that's the area where we're going to be exploring and building and creating that new world that will be mirrored back into the consumer markets as as these technologies mature. So let me ask you this. So when you say immersive, what do you guys mean over there at Booz Allen <laughs> Hamilton? Because that's a, that's a big word. And for some people, it's just a buzzword. So immersive is any kind of technology that augments or changes or changes the way you compute into this new world of displays either augmented or virtual or in the future brain to computer interfaces. So it's all about creating a new environment for interacting with each other, for communications, for training, for learning, for interacting with applications and enterprise situations, for interacting with the world around us. The fundamental display technologies can change over time, such as virtual reality now, augmented reality through our phones or through mobile devices and then eventually glasses and then eventually brain to computer and machine to human interfaces. That's kind of what we use the term immersive to encompass all of that. We're going to have lots of interesting things come up when it comes to augmented reality. Through AR Core and AR Kit, we're going to see augmented reality on yeah. our smartphones first, right? And I mean, it's here, right? It's yeah, happening. It's, <laughs> it's, it's right here, right now. And we have to now navigate that particular landscape right now because... It's a little bit sort of Wild West at the moment, but the usual rules are going to have to apply. I mean, we, we can't have a situation, can we, where you know somebody's played a million dollars for a traditional billboard campaign and somebody else pays $10,000 to usurp that billboard campaign so that when you're looking at it through a smartphone, you see their advert and not the one that has been paid for. I mean, that should be illegal. We're going to have all sorts of a crazy regulatory issues coming up. I mean, how are we going to navigate that particular universe and, and what should people be looking out for? Yeah, so that's an interesting kind of new reality that we're all going to have to adapt to. I mean, we're very fast advancing to the place where our mobile phones are going to be replaced with smart glasses or, or contact lenses that will allow us to, or whoever you're buying it from, overlay all kinds of information over your your what you see as reality in front of you. What's going to be very pivotal and the linchpin to all of that in the future and now is using machine intelligence and object recognition and all the data that's coming from these devices and from the real world and mapping that to ensure that the proper type of information is being brought to the user at the right time. We're going from a world where we have lots of displays and we have kind of control over that to a place where our normal day-to-day computing environment is going to be limited screen real real estate and we're going to be relying on predictive analytics or predictive machine intelligence to bring the right amount of information to us at the right time. Machine intelligence and machine learning is like the absolute crux of the success or failing of augmented reality in the future. Without understanding the objects we're looking at, understanding the world we're in, understanding what information is relevant to whoever's looking through those uh, smart devices at the right time is going to be the 
demarcation point in terms of success or failure of this new computing technology. Let me ask you a quick follow-up question to that then. So Mm -hmm. it occurs to me that through artificial intelligence, through uh, machine learning into the augmented reality space and and, and any other kind of reality that we we form in the future, that we are going to be able to get to this situation where instead of advertising as it stands, which is throw a load of it against the wall and see what sticks it'll actually operate a little bit more like google assistant you know in the sense that you'll get the right advert right place right time right device for the right context the only problem with that is that's a really really small inventory of ads (laughs) the ad universe as it stands the ad ecosystem probably aren't going to be too happy with that reality um you know in terms of serving just a, a few ads to people per day rather than thousands i mean How will we reconcile that? This is not one of the only challenges to the marketing advertising space in in essence. I mean, it's always a cat and mouse game between the users and their control over their view and the advertisers and all the other, that ecosystem pumping those bits to their visual cortex, right? At some point, you know, there's always going to be that analog gap until maybe we get to like hardcore matrix-like you know, brain to computer interfaces. Before that point, there's always going to be that analog gap and the user will always have control over that. So I would have to say, you know, this is what marketing and and advertising folks should be concerned about and looking into. And And the folks that crack that space and understand how to use data to provide the most relevant visual image and inserted kind of content or based off of whatever objects are being recognized or whatever experiences are being displayed that the user is immersed in, the folks that understand and crack how to best deliver that are going to be the most successful in this new computing space that we're building. That doesn't mean that that's the only challenge, right? I mean, blockchain and ad blockers and data collection rules and, you know, the new European laws that are going into effect about what data can be collected from users and how they have control, all those are still relevant. And augmented reality and, and virtual reality and all that doesn't really change that. It's not It's not like it's going to be a force for good or bad. It's just a new uh, way to experience information and data and, and existence, right? Now, there are analogous challenges in the enterprise world, right? So imagine you're a factory worker, let's just pretend there's going to be these Apple-branded smart glasses. These are the Enterprise Edition or something like that, and you're walking around your factory and you're doing some maintenance on equipment. It's the same kind of machine intelligence that is required to bring up the relevant information to that factory worker around what they're looking at, what they're trying to fix, as can be used on the consumer side to target the right information being brought up to the consumer base. The big tech companies right now are working very fast and very hard on large amounts of image recognition, object recognition, voice recognition, databases, and machine learning models because they know that on the consumer side, it's going to be very generic and broad. It has to cover any kind of object, any kind of conversation, any kind of piece of data point around a typical Western user-based daily life routine, if you will, where there's going to be a lot of advantages 
are going to be where it's going to be more niche, right? I don't think Google cares about, they care about identifying a cat versus a dog versus a tree versus a beach, that kind of stuff. Whereas on our side, we care more about, you know, this is a tank versus a enemy versus a drone versus an airplane or a truck or very niche object recognition. And also there's going to be different types of machine learning models and data sets that not everyone's going to have access to, right? So if you're an advertiser or a immersive application developer, you might have unique data sets that you have access to to fine tune and make your own models. But you will be getting into the business of making uh, machine learning models. That is unavoidable at, at this point. <laughs> You've been on a lot, a lot of uh, interesting topics that I know that our that our user base is is fascinated with. One, you mentioned blockchain. I love the blockchain. Uh, I got a podcast where I talk all about that particular space. Now, one of the things that that fascinates me about what you guys are doing there at Booz Allen is you guys have this innovation studio where you where you have all these different like game developers and designers and data architects and scientists and you're basically working together and creating all of these different immersive technologies. They're more like experiences, right? So how Stuart asked the question about advertising in the future, to me, it seems like they're more customer experiences. People are going to pay to have these really interesting experiences. And that's what you guys are kind of doing. You're creating things like the Ocean Lens project where you're doing a 3D visualization for ocean mapping of the total floor of the oceans around the world. You're doing these really cool holographic medical imaging type things to help, you know, understand the human anatomy and stuff while people are, while they're in medical school or while they're, you're doing other stuff where you're mapping coastal places all over the world. But then you're also, you're incorporating breathing and physical therapy exercises. So really, you guys are, are not only, you know, you're known maybe in, in some of the spaces for the, some of the things you've done you know, in the military space, but you guys are actually out there creating all kinds of immersive experiences for multiple industries. What are some of the findings that you guys have discovered from creating all these different unique technologies for all these different industries? You know, there's a give and take between consumer market and public sector. With the advent of better and more cheaper virtual reality devices, our enterprise customers, our public sector customers are like, we want that, you know, you know, they they try that game, they they, but maybe they're a client that's a little bit more adventurous, or they've come and visited our innovation center, they've seen some of these experiences, and it immediately clicks. So I have a HTC Vive at my place. And I've had lots of my friends, probably 30 plus of my friends come in, and it's the first time they try virtual reality. And it's almost immediately intuitive on how to use those devices and understand how to interact and understand the environment that they're in. So that advantage, that ability to take a broad spectrum of people and bring them into an environment to help them train, to help them understand data, to help them visualize and build and collaborate together in these virtual environments. And then also, as we transition to better augmented reality devices, have a shared 3D object or or environment between multiple people in a space that has opened up a a lot of uh, use cases and clients looking for using that to specifically target training data visualization and take advantage of this next level of dimensionality, right? So we're going from a lot of 2D spaces and low interaction to ability to have cheaper 
faster 3D experiences and take advantage of that dimension. Where we're seeing a lot of that going into is being able to inject machine intelligence that typically is behind the hood and behind the covers, right? So one area that's very interesting is at the same time that the clients are looking at using data science and starting to get value out of their data, they're having a hard time understanding and visualizing what the impact and what these machine learning models are. It makes sense to start to do data visualization in virtual reality. But what's interesting is you can start to visualize machine learning models and what's going on behind the hood and all these new algorithms that are being produced. Another area is taking drone and 360 video that can be captured with drones. Like for example, at a, at a military airport or just an airport in general, going around and doing analysis with 4K 360 video, doing something called photogrammetry, which is stitching together that video or, or images into automated 3D models, bringing that into virtual reality and then being able to explore really high detailed models and for inspections or for if you want to build out a new space, you can collaborate in that 3D environment. So another example is if you're in charge of building a new factory or a new base or some kind of new installation in your group of like five people, like a committee or something, if you do that now, you'd have to travel to that site multiple times over a year, go back to your own offices, do some design work. And it's kind of tough to collaborate if you're not on the same kind of visual page. Now imagine that all those folks are inside an augmented reality environment or a virtual reality environment. They can collaborate in a 3D environment of that and do instant decision making on what needs to happen as they're building that out. And that saves a lot of time, a lot of money. There's a lot of opportunity there that we're looking at and building experiences, not only just for the experience sake, as you mentioned, but actually to fundamentally help train, to do decision-making, more effective decision-making, planning out missions, route planning, uh, inspections of of buildings, all kinds of things that uh, opportunities that open up. And now, especially introducing machine intelligence, um, object recognition, predictive intelligence, and, and other kinds of gaming technology into that space. The enterprise serious gaming market has been underserved by the actual consumer gaming market. That level of quality hasn't arrived to the enterprise. And we're trying to bring that level of quality from the consumer gaming video game market into the enterprise through virtual reality, augmented reality, and pushing the edge there. Yeah, that's because they want you to do some work and not be playing VR all day, right? Yeah, exactly. This has been amazing. I mean, we could talk about another two hours on this topic, but unfortunately we can't. VB Engage has a time limit. I wish it didn't have a time limit. I wish it was just (laughs) infinite. It's been amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining us on VB Engage today. Absolutely. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Excellent. Where can people connect with you online, good sir? Oh, you can check us out at boozallen.com. You can also check myself out at Normal Faults on Twitter. I cover a lot of a range of topics as a chief technologist at Booz Allen and always looking at the emerging tech. You can experience our new immersive portal at boozallen.com slash immersive and check out all our capabilities there. Well, thanks for joining us. That was very informative and excellent. Cheers. Uh, Have a great weekend. You do the same, brother. (laughs) 
Thank you so much to Nirmal Mehta for coming on and chatting about what's going on over there at Booz Allen. If you missed last week's episode, we had Mike Wicken on and we chatted with him about some very interesting things in the gaming world for some of the experiences that he had created back in the day, as well as what he's working on in the enterprise space. Our next episode is going to be Shira Lazar. She's going to be popping on in episode 80, but that's not going to be next week. That is going to be the first episode of 2018, as we are going to take a little break. Yes, we are, sir. And I think it's a, it's a well-deserved break. But we will be back very, very soon. We're just uh, popping off for the holiday season, that's all. And quite frankly, Stuart and I, we need to, we need to have a little break from one another, because he's, he's getting tired of me saying words like vacation. So for episode 79, for Travis Wright, goodbye. Uh, for Stuart Rogers, it's Yar Huvaiset. We'll see you guys next year with season three of VB Engage.